Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood, a retired submarine officer. I'm also a private pilot, martial artist, engineer, and a lifelong fan of science fiction and fantasy. I've written and published dozens of stories across the entire spectrum of speculative fiction. So sit back, let your mind wander through realms of adventure as I tell you a story. Hey, it's Michael Kingswood again. Story time. Episode 11 of the podcast. Scene 9. Scene 10, rather, of Veritas Morte. A science fiction novella that I wrote and Keith Mickelson narrated. Last we left Lucian, he was in a pickle. Because he screwed up, tried to take the law in his own hands, and forgot about the tradition of Veritas Morte. And now he's been challenged to a duel to the death by Baron Emerson, who, in fact, was the guy who set up the poisoning on Lucien's father. And now the only way to prove it is to somehow survive the duel. Unless there's some way out of it, but he hasn't been able to think of one. So there we are, kind of in a, a bad place. Let's see what happens next. Veritas Morte, a science fiction novella by Michael Kingswood. Narrated by Keith Mickelson. The servants had cleared out the throne room for the occasion, and now the only furnishing remaining was a block in the center of the room that held two dueling rapiers, points down and ready for drawing. Lucian rolled his shoulders, staring at the block from his position at the foot of the throne's dais, and trying not to let his nerves get the better of him. It was a difficult task. He had fought countless times in the ring, engaged in unnumbered duels, but they had all been for practice or recreation, with dulled blades and blunted tips. This was real, and those swords could cut or kill a man, could kill him with ease. Across the room, Emerson was completing his final preparations, he was stripped to the waist like Lucian, wearing only bagging dueling pants that were cinched at the waist and ankles. Also like Lucian, he was barefoot. His body was lean and hard, and he bore a number of scars on his torso, the leavings from previous duels. It was said he had fought over twenty for various reasons, and Lucian knew for a fact he was brilliant with a blade. Their eyes met for a moment, and Emerson grinned. He liked his chances. He liked them a lot. This is insane. Lucian looked to his right, where Princess Ophelia stood with her assistant Dila, and she was not alone. Every shipboard member of the Imperial Court was present, lining both sides of the room so that all could bear witness. And why not? Veritas Morte had not been invoked in years, and certainly no other duel had been fought recently with such import behind it. Ophelia wore the same black and gray gown as before, no time to change, Lucian supposed, and a look of concerned disbelief on her face. Why are you doing this? What can this savagery prove? Lucian rolled his eyes. She did not, could not understand. It's not how I would prefer, he said honestly. 
And why did she care anyway? But there is no choice. There is always a choice, Lucian. If— Three raps of a heavy staff onto the faux stone of the throne room floor interrupted her, and brought all eyes to the center of the room, where Lord Morsey stood next to the block of swords, staff in hand. Veritas Murte has been invoked, and here we meet it, Morsey said in a somber tone that carried throughout the room with ease. The court shuffled about, and the sound of murmurs and whispers came from both sides. Morsey waited for the murmurs to die down before continuing. Baron Emerson and Prince Lucian will meet, and there will the truth be known. All will bear witness, and all will honor the outcome. He wrapped the staff against the floor again, then backed away from the block to join the rest of the court. Lucian drew a deep breath, then squared his shoulders and advanced to the block. It seemed a garden's worth of butterflies had taken up residence in his stomach. It was all he could do to put one foot in front of the other without trembling. Emerson followed suit, but he moved with a cocksure swagger. Apparently, he felt no such nerves. They met at the block, and each rested his hand upon his blade. Their eyes met. You were supposed to die with him, you know, Emerson said quietly enough that no one but Lucian could hear it. But I think I will enjoy it more killing you myself. He sneered and withdrew his blade with a flourish, then stepped back two paces and into on guard. Lucian could not move for a second, from shock at the man's confession. For the briefest of moments, he thought for sure he had an out. Emerson had confessed to the crime. That would suffice, wouldn't it? But just as quickly that hope died. None of that mattered now. Veritas Morte was in play, and the only truth that could be found from it would come when one or the other of them lay dead. Ophelia was right. It was insanity. But it was all he had available to him at the moment. Lucian pulled his rapier from the block and stepped back as Emerson had. From the left, two servants hurried forward. They quickly picked up the block that had held the swords, then scampered back to the side, leaving the floor completely empty for his and Emerson's use. Silence loomed, and the moment seemed to bear down on Lucian's shoulders like the weight of a hundred men. Was he actually doing this? Begin, intoned Morsey from the side. Emerson came forward in a dash, his rapier flicking toward Lucian's eyes. He twisted to the side, avoiding the attack, and countered with a thrust of his own, but Emerson danced away from it easily. They circled for a moment, making small feints and probes, but neither committing. Then Emerson came, this time dancing to the side before coming low with a thrust at the hip. Lucian parried, but the angle was wrong to get in a counter, so he just retreated. On it went like that for several passes. Very quickly, Lucian realized Emerson was toying with him, getting a feel for his strengths and weaknesses while baiting Lucian to take advantage of openings he wanted him to see. The first of those traps almost ended the duel right then, but Lucian managed to escape with only a small cut on his side. From then on, he was more cautious. Of course, that gave Emerson the advantage of initiative, but Lucian could not see how to change that. Every move, every feint, every dodge, Emerson saw through them all and had a deft counter prepared. Lucian leaped backward from a particularly vicious repost, but not before he received a cut to his left pectoral. A fine trail of blood flew from the end of Emerson's blade as he completed the cut, landing in a stream of drops across the floor. 
Off to the left, Lucian heard a gasped inhalation, and he looked aside quickly to see Ophelia covering her mouth in shock. Some of Lucian's blood had landed upon her servant's dress and face. He hadn't realized he and Emerson had come so close to them. Lucian spun to the side and backed away, avoiding a thrust that Emerson sent when he looked at the princess. Did you plan it together? he asked in the same tone Emerson had used in his confession. You and her? Emerson blinked and paused to glance aside at the Capistrani princess for a second. Then he snorted. She hasn't the stomach for such things. She thinks talk will solve all of her problems. He shook his head and advanced again. Fool. That was an interesting thought to come from the Minister of Diplomacy. Lucian retreated, getting back into the center of the room while parrying near-continuous thrusts from Emerson. His chest and side burned from the two cuts, and his body was slick with sweat. But Emerson seemed unaffected by his exertion, and he kept on coming. It could not go on this way. Sooner or later he was going to slip or tire, and that would be it. Emerson darted to the left, thrusting at Lucian's hip again, but he left his body turned a little too much toward Lucian. He darted forward and twisted his body so that Emerson's thrust slipped harmlessly by, then followed up with a thrust of his own toward the minister's solar plexus. For a second, he thought the attack was going to strike home. But then Emerson leaped upward and pivoted in the opposite direction, and something struck Lucian on the back of his skull hard enough that he saw stars. He fell forward, his vision going dark, but he somehow managed to tuck his head into a roll as his shoulders struck the ground. He came up onto his feet at the end of the roll and almost fell over again. The room spun around him, and he could hardly tell which way was which, but he could not afford to stop moving. So he ran to the left, or he tried to run. His legs gave out beneath him and he fell, this time landing on his side. Keep moving. He rolled to the side and something clinked off the stone behind him. Finally, he found his feet again and pushed himself upright, swinging his rapier wildly around him to ward off his foe, who must surely be coming. And sure enough, no sooner had he come fully erect than he saw Emerson. The minister actually was forced to retreat by Lucian's wild swing, and he counted himself lucky. He gathered himself, his ears still ringing from the blow despite the world's spinning having slowed. He tasted blood and spat out a mouthful of red onto the floor. Emerson paused, looked him up and down, then grinned and made a quick salute with his sword. The pommel of the weapon was bloody where it had struck Lucian's head, apparently. Then he came again. The attack was swift and relentless, faster than anything Emerson had shown to that point. Lucian parried desperately, but another thrust followed, then another and another, and Lucian could do nothing but defend. Finally, a thrust came in that he wasn't able to parry, and Emerson's rapier stabbed into the meat of his right shoulder. Lucian heard himself cry out, and his sword arm went limp for a second. In desperation, he tried to raise his weapon back up to defend himself, but he was too slow. Emerson danced to the side and thrust into Lucian's right thigh. His leg went out from under him, and he collapsed to the floor. Somewhere, he heard a voice shout, No! A woman's voice. Ophelia? No. She wouldn't care if he were struck down. Pain was his entire being. His wounds screamed out at him, the salt in his sweat making their shouts all the harsher. But worse was the pain in his soul. Emerson had betrayed him, taken away everything, and now he was going to take his life. 
No. He pushed himself upward, but he could only reach one knee before cold steel on the side of his neck stopped him cold. He looked up into the eyes of his father's, of his would-be killer, and Emerson grinned in triumph. Goodbye, Prince Lucian. He began to draw his sword back for the killing blow. No! Lucian heard himself roar, something. He grabbed at the blade of Emerson's rapier with his left hand, gripping it with all his might. The minister's eyes widened, and he pulled the weapon back. The edges of the blade cut into the flesh of Lucian's palm as it moved, but he grasped all the harder and forced the blade to the side. He surged upward, his one good leg pushing him up like a piston as he grabbed his own weapon and thrust. Emerson's eyes widened in shock and disbelief, and his mouth dropped open. They stood there, two men locked in a deadly embrace for a long moment, staring into each other's faces. Then Emerson's sword arm went limp, and he sagged forward. Lucian could see the tip of his own weapon now red with the minister's blood, emerging from his back. Emerson's weapon fell to the floor. Lucian moved his hand to the man's shoulder and pulled his rapier out of the minister's body. Emerson let out a groan and took a halting step away. Then he took two more before he collapsed to the floor. Lucian just looked at him unbelievingly for a moment. He had been so sure he was going to die that Emerson had won. And now? But why? The question surged up within him, the question he had asked himself when his mother passed, and again countless times since the poisoning. Emerson's blood flowed freely from his wound, but he still moved. There was life in him yet. Lucian stepped toward him, stumbled and almost fell, but caught himself. He forced himself to cover the distance, then crouched down beside the stricken minister, the traitor. He let his sword go and took hold of Emerson's shoulder, rolling him over so that he lay on his back. Then Lucian leaned over so he could look him in the eye. Why? Emerson gasped, but said nothing. His eyes looked past Lucian to the crystalline ceiling and the universe beyond. Blood that had been trickling from his mouth ran down the side of his face. His breath came in rasping heaves. All the pain and anger of the last day welled up within him, and Lucian grabbed the sides of Emerson's head and pulled the dying man's face closer to his own. Damn you, Emerson! He all but shouted. Why? Softly, almost too softly to hear, Emerson, in between gurgling coughs, said, Sir, Serene. Then his breath rattled in his throat one last time, and his eyes glazed over in death. Booyah! Vengeance is mine! saith Lucian. Coming through at the end. Man, he got his butt whooped, but hey, just uh, doesn't really matter, right? All that matters is the end result. And he took it to him, got the job done. Now, there's still more questions, right? Who the heck is, what is Serene? Who is Serene? What is it? Is anybody else involved? Don't really know. But hey, at least, uh, hey, the bad guy's dead. Lucian got his vengeance. It's, uh, hey, life is good, kind of, sort of, right? I guess we'll find out. There's more to the story. Come back for the next one. Or buy the book. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, what's the point in buying the book? I already know what happened. Well, 
because you like to support people who create cool stuff like this, right? Uh, you don't buy the books or subscribe to Patreon accounts. You, it's hard for people to write cool stories, and the people who write cool stories hire the audiobook narrators to narrate them. It's hard to pay them without the money that comes from selling the books, and, you know, hey, that's how these things work. But if you don't want to do that, come and drop me a line. Tell me if you liked it or not. Come sign up for the newsletter on the website so I can tell you when the new books are coming out. And, uh, well, worst case, we'll just see you here next time. Even if you don't buy the stuff, I still love you anyway, kind of, sort of. Right, uh, have fun. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. That'll do it for this episode of Storytime with Michael Kingswood. Come by my website, michaelkingswood.com, for information about my work. There you can sign up for a newsletter where I tell about new releases and special promotions. Guaranteed to be spam-free. Or just drop me an email at michael at michaelkingswood.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. If you really like my stuff and feel like giving me a buck, drop by Patreon and sign up to be a patron. As always, if you liked today's story, be sure to leave a review on your favorite online bookstore and share this podcast with all your friends. This production is copyrighted Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music copyright Jean Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved.